0: Hello and welcome to the National Trust Podcast. While we're on a break, busily preparing for Season 5, we're taking the opportunity to listen back to some of our favourite episodes from the last 4 seasons. This month, it's an episode called Caring for the Country's Rarest Plants from Season 3. In this episode, Alan Power, former head gardener at Stourhead, navigates his way to the Trust's secret plant conservation centre to see exactly what it takes for us to look after some of the planet's most important plants. Please leave the roundabout at the third
1: exit. I have no idea where I am. I'm so glad I have sat-nav. I never thought I'd say that, because I'm more of a map reader.
0: Please turn sharp right in 300 yards.
1: Today we're heading to arguably one of the most important properties the Trust looks after. This location has one of the Trust's most diverse plant collections and houses some of our most unique historical artefacts. However, this location isn't mentioned in the handbook. It has no glossy guidebook. It's a place where very, very few people outside of the trust ever get to see. I was here years and years ago, but I really wish I could remember where I'm going. And these roads are getting proper narrow.
0: In 300 yards, you will have reached- anyway, hang on a minute. I think we might be in luck. is on the right.
1: So I'm in a car park. Um, I'm gonna wander around here and hopefully um, hopefully, find Chris. The last time I was here, it was uh, just a rough kind of field, an extension of a garden close to a house. But now there are some really nice, tidy greenhouses, some really high fences. You know, there's locks on the gates and it's a biosecure area, amazing. I'm really excited to see this place. Um, completely different visitor experience that you'd get at most National Trust places but such an important place and I do see something that looks vaguely like a hut up ahead so I'm hoping that Chris is going to be in there he's even got a really nice knocker listen to that and there he is Chris how are you doing all right nice to see you again
2: yeah, lovely weather we've got with you.
1: Yeah, I always do. Yeah, I bring the rain with me all the time. Should we? Uh, should we yeah, go inside to shelter? We go inside the rain, mate. Yeah, This is nice, isn't it? Hello. I'll go through. So, Chris, what exactly is it that you do here?
2: My job title is, say, nursery manager, and I look after all the plants on site. Make sure the centre runs as it should do. Uh we we're, we're basically here to propagate all the rare and unusual plants across the whole of the National Trust. We are like the Area 51 of the National Trust and the work we do just goes on quietly behind the scenes and we send plants back out to the trust gardens and they just keep on growing. And as our
1: visitors see little trees or plants or shrubs or bulbs emerging, yeah, there's a there's a story behind that that you and your team could well have been involved in.
2: Yeah, I mean there's a story behind pretty much every plant we have on site here. And it's what links them to the properties and the people.
1: You know, almost in throwaway comment, Chris, you said, you know, we look after all the trusts plants in every garden of the National Trust, but that's like two hundred fairly significant gardens. That's a big, big operation. How do you keep track of all of that?
2: Uh yeah, I mean it's a massive operation and we actually use a map, which makes it easier. It's about a thirty, oh, forty year old map, but go and have a look at it. Yeah. Oh, I see. Proper floor to ceiling map. Yeah, and that's a that's I like that. Genuine old school. Yeah, old school. On here we've got various colour pins, so you've got reds, blacks and greens. And what do they all mean then? Well, the green ones are basically major plant collections, and the black ones are all the ones we were delivered to this year. What are the red pins about then? The red ones are to do with plant health, so it's any property that has a plant health issue on site that we need to be made aware of. It's nothing really contagious sometimes. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Yeah. There's certain diseases that we're concerned about all the time. There's things like Phytophthora remorum or Phytophthora canovii. Um, there is another disease which is on the continent at the moment called Xylella. And just for example, if you have an outbreak of Phytophthora, you have a six metre kill zone around that plant. If you have an outbreak of Xylella, it's about a hundred metre kill zone around that plant. Wow. So some small properties it would disappear. Be wiped out. Yeah.
1: And collections gone. Yeah. It's an amazing journey a plant will go through from me or one of my team identifying, you know, a specimen in decline or a specimen threatened by disease. You know, can you talk me through or take me through that journey? Yeah, I can
2: take you through it. So if I take you through there now, we'll show you the process. That's
1: exciting. That's brilliant. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is what's interesting, I find... One of the only National Trust signs you see has no entry on it. More
2: importantly, biosecure area. You can see there's no entry in red. Yeah. But yeah, we have a biosecurity process of actually going into the nursery. Okay. So we have one entrance into the nursery. Yeah. So you're forced to go through foot dips. So, so the first it's, n- it's not just a foot dip, is it? There's a So there's, no. there's a brush here for your feet. So a good brush on there. It's probably about the only natural trust place you do get your shoes cleaned.
1: I was going to say, it's like polishing my shoes. Yeah. I wish I'd brought another few pairs, to be honest. Into the bucket there? Yeah.
2: This is where you find out if you've got a hole in your shoe. Yeah, and on my left boot, I haven't so That's far. all right. Some people do. <laughs> and just lift up your shoes one at a time. So, you, so this is a third level of, of cleaning that you're applying? Yeah. We've got a few more yet. That's all right. Step onto that one, please. And then cross onto this one next to it. So I've been through one, two, three with the spray, yeah. four, five. We also have a hand wash. So exactly the same as you would do as going in a hospital. Ooh. And then the last final thing, we have a uh, overshoe dispenser. Fantastic. One foot down, press down. That's it, and step across to your left. OK, and the next one. There we go. That's cool. So I've got bright blue plastic shower, shower hats yeah. on my, on my
1: feet. So that's that's an amazing level of biosecurity. It kind of highlights the fact that it's not a joke.
2: Yeah, I mean it's been proven it takes one little speck of dirt to bring in phytophthora.
1: Yeah. Wow, I might just go home. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, as I arrived, Chris, I kind of said to myself that it's a real privilege to be here and you know now to be standing outside your potting shed.
2: You know what they say about men in their sheds. Indeed. So if you want to come through the door, this is
1: ridiculous, isn't it? You lucky man. You call it your potting shed, but yes. this is this is it's in, a big in, building. industrial level, isn't it? It's like an industrial unit. It really right. is. You you park quite a few cars in here quite easily, wouldn't you? So looking around this this unit, this mm-hmm. amazing unit. There's pots. There's plant trays. Oh, and there's a cat. Oh yes, one
2: of my cats as Hello. well. Hello. Unfortunately, we can't give her little blue booties. We yeah. just can't get them. But yeah, she's really friendly. She's lovely, isn't she? But yeah, this building has got everything we need under one roof to do our job properly.
1: Okay, from start to finish. So to finish. back to my original question yep. to you. The journey that my cuttings mm-hmm. or plant material goes through, it comes into this building and what happens then? It does then?
2: And then it goes into a separate room. It's basically a very clean area where we can open the parcels that do come in we can test the material in there with Phytophora test kits.
1: It's, like a, it's a bit like a dentist's room, isn't it? Yeah, without the drill. <laughs> That's brilliant. So where do my cuttings go next?
2: So if I take you through to the prop house, Alan.
1: So we're going through to another subsection of you know, this amazing propagation unit that you have. And in here there are like separate display benches, but we've just heard one of the miss benches... Yep. You know, kick off and miss miss the plants automatically. Right at the back, you've got Sequoia dendron giganteum yeah, one of the tallest living organisms on the planet. Yeah,
2: lived for several thousand years easily.
1: And it's it's three or four inches tall, yep. and in a in a tray at the back of your shed. But cuttings and seed growing isn't all you do here, is it? There are certain plants that you know might be a bit challenging, or that you have to take a different approach to. And that could potentially be grafting, couldn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, grafting has been done for thousands of years and we're just carrying on the tradition. But why would you, you know, if I sent
1: you material, Chris, Mm -hmm. why would you decide to graft it rather than try cuttings?
2: Uh, Because sometimes you just can't get material growing by cuttings. They just will not work. Okay. So the only way of doing it is either by seed or by grafting.
1: So I just want to see the graft bench now.
2: Yeah, Okay. I'll show you. (laughs)
1: Right. right, so you've tasked me with a little bit of propagation then.
2: Yeah, right. afraid so.
1: This is great. I haven't done grafting for a long time. We need some Blue Peter music or something like that, don't we? Don't give the sharp knives. Right. <laughs> right, so, yeah,
2: no pressure with this.
1: So this particular pine is my Macedonian pine. So the trees were introduced into our country in 1864 and I have the only surviving one in the country. The saddest thing about this pine tree is it's got a fungus called Phaeolius on it, um, and Phaeolius is a detrimental fungus to conifers. Within the next 20 or 30 years it will be gone from Starred. you know, it will fail. The most reassuring thing when I go to sleep at night is knowing that, up to today, knowing that it was going to be propagated by somebody with skills and confidence in doing the job. However, <laughs> I'm stood here now with a grafting knife and, gra- and propagation material, if this works, mm-hmm. this tree will be the future of that
2: line. Yeah. And it'll be there for the next two, three hundred years at least. Fantastic. Right, so if I pass your rootstock. Thank you. Sounds a bit odd, but you're gonna put it between your legs. I am gonna do that. What we're gonna do is do a 45 degree angle cut into the stem of the rootstock. Okay. Is, is that, that okay? okay? Yeah, and don't deep, touch deep any enough. cuts.
1: Don't touch anything. Nope. I'm feeling nervous. Um, I'm nervous because of what I'm doing, yeah. and it's a plant associated with my collection, but I'm back in the student's chair. Mm-hmm. I really feel like you're a good teacher, but it's quite intimidating.
2: <laughs> so that's the first cut. Yeah. Now the next important one. Yeah. Do an inch cut on there, and then that matches up with your cut you've done on the rootstock, like that. Hmm.
1: So basically, Chris, what we've done is we've taken a young tree with roots on it, we've taken a new conifer, stuck it onto the side with some sellotape after making a couple of scientific cuts in it, and that bit we've sellotaped on is going to become the new tree. And that's nature at its best. Yes. That was amazing, Chris. Thank you for that. Right. Um, I'll never forget grafting with you. And you've still got your fingers and thumbs. Was, and I've still got my fingers and thumbs. No need for any plasters. No. So we're, um, we're out in the open again, and there's quite an array of structures around us.
2: Yeah, basically everything starts to in the prop house on the ground. It's like a sort of giant U-shape. Yeah. So we start off a prop house, and then we go around a U-shape, and end up at the far end of the growing on structure. And that's the end of the line. We're okay. part back out of the garden. Okay. Okay, so we head round the corner, we're now passing the greenhouse, which is the next stage on from the prop house, and then they go from there into the main production house, which is a three-bay multi-span tunnel, it's hopefully going to be a bit drier. So we've just come through the doors,
1: and from the story we've been hearing this morning you know it's like walking in a meeting load of celebrity plants isn't it yeah these are the celebrities of the national trust these are the rare ones these are the threatened ones these are the ones we're scared of losing these are some of the most unique plants in the trust's collection and this is the final stage yes so is you know these will then go out into gardens i need to go and have a look at some plants
2: you do yeah
1: because every single one of these plants has got a story behind it yes they? they have yeah And there's there's quite a few rhododendrons appearing as as we go through. There's a Daphnean
2: flower over there by the looks of it. We've got a batch of conifers here. They're in what, three litre size pot? It's just a plain green plant, you think. Actually, it's critically endangered in the wild. It's almost at the same status as a white rhino in the plant world. It's a Fitzroy cupressoides, native to Chile. And they are down to the last few. There are not many left in the wild at all. This is about global conservation,
1: s- Global conservation, making sure plants survive in the wild yes. as well as in our collections. Yeah. It is quite breathtaking. I know you probably walk through here most days, but there are all sorts of weird and wonderful things. So, Chris, where are you taking me now? Uh, over the other side of the
2: polytunnel. So I'll bring you over to see this tree. It looks bog standard. You know, yeah. it's a horse chestnut big sticky buds horse yeah. chestnut but it's the story that really makes this technically it has got nothing to do with the National Trust this is from one of our external contracts we do and this was done for Christchurch College Oxford
1: I think I know the story behind this one This horse chestnut tree was more than likely the inspiration for the writer Charles Dodgson's classic children's book. In the 1850s, Charles was a lecturer at Oxford's Christchurch College. He worked from a small office at the back of the Grand Library and he didn't have much space to work in this tiny office. So although his office was tiny and lacked a lot of interior space, the view and the antics he observed from its window inspired Charles' writing endlessly. So from his office, he could see the college's deanery garden, a really tempting place and mysterious. And although the garden was obscured by a high perimeter wall, he would have seen the crown of this amazing tree rising from the garden and acting as its centerpiece. But the only way into this fortress was through a wooden gate that remained permanently locked. So the fact that this gate was locked frustrated many people frustrated Charles and the college's dean, who wished to use the garden as a shortcut, as well as the dean's daughter, who longed to play in the garden every day. This little girl was often observed tirelessly attempting to scramble over the wall, or just barge her way through the wooden gate to get access to this amazing place. But there was, however, one creature that always found their way into this fortress garden. A cat, owned by the Dean's Daughter, would easily scale the wall and spend its days lazing around the branches of this enormous conker tree. So I suppose you're wondering now which book these scenes inspired, but there are two more facts that might help you join the dots. So the Dean's Daughter was called Alice, and Charles Dodgson is more commonly known as the author Lewis Carroll. So this is the actual tree. This is part of the actual tree that the Cheshire cat sat in.
2: Yes. That's amazing. So you can see, you know, the plants are interesting and really nice to look at, but it's the stories that really make it.
1: Because as you say, it's just, you know, I've wandered over, I've seen a couple of labels, and I go, I wonder why they've got that there. There's a sycamore back there. And I was thinking, why has he got that here? And as we approached, I thought, he's not going to talk about the horse chestnut. I was looking at the buds on the other plants around.
2: So horse chestnut, this has got to be a good story. Another tree we have got in here is quite a famous tree. It's a box and an apple tree. But if I say it comes from Walsforth Manor... Yeah. which Has, got has it got awesome, anything
1: to do with gravity?
2: It might have a little bit of a thing to do with gravity, <laughs> yes. The original tree at Walsforth Manor is the one where Newton saw the apple fall from the tree, and that's where we've got our theory of gravity come from. Wow.
1: Yeah, I'm standing here listening to you telling that story about gravity, and it must be as if every single tree is whispering its story to you. You know, and you're just hearing these little stories coming out of everything that you look at. Yeah, you know, whether it's Tinsfield, Salisbury, Newton, and his gravity, Alice in Wonderland. There's yeah. there's stories everywhere.
2: Yeah, I mean the plants are all on nice neat rows, but you always get these little speech bubbles come yeah. up. With, with each and that's one. what it's like. That's yeah.
1: what it's like. You've given a whole new kind of sense of life to this fairly sterile environment. I didn't expect when I rocked up this morning into the car park when I eventually found it i didn't expect to be leaving here today as full of information and you know just passion for what you do and your team here so thank you so much for spending the time and showing me around today and keeping us dry
2: you're very welcome
1: thank you very much that's been um quite an amazing day I drove in in similar weather this morning and I'm just looking back towards the greenhouses and this place and it's only five acres but what it does is, is quite phenomenal I've got you know a two hour drive home and it's gonna be full of thoughts and I think one of the most striking things for me is the detail and the effort that we go to as an organization to make sure that our places are represented so appropriately and so accurately and we honour history. You know, there are plants in there, hundreds and hundreds of plants in there with individual stories that are historically significant and the effort that Chris and his team are going to, to make sure that our visitors can, you know, brush shoulders with these amazing plants and these amazing stories is what we're all about. Really, I think the one thing And the lasting thing i get from what we do at the PCC is the fact that what we're doing with um, our plant collections is really making sure that our stories are honest and we're telling the truth just through our living collections and people will see history repeated honestly. And that fills me with pride, fills me with pride for what we
0: do. Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Trust Podcast. We'll be back with another episode from the archives next month, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. We'd also like to know what you think of this podcast so we can make Series 5 the best series yet. You can help us do this by filling in a short survey, which you can find at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash pod So, until next time from the podcast team... Goodbye.